In this episode, we're talking about last-minute travel plans in the midst of coronavirus, the 30 Days of Clean Eating Challenge that we're doing in our community on Facebook, as well as the scourge of depression and how we deal with and talk about things like death, not only as a couple, but with our kids. The Legendary Marriage Podcast begins now. If you're feeling more like roommates than soulmates, it's time for the Legendary Marriage Podcast. Every couple wants to have a great marriage, but the trials and challenges of life pull us in different directions. But you can have a legendary marriage filled with passion, fun, and adventure together. That's why each week we share stories and ideas about building a life, a love, and a legacy together. And at the end of every episode, we challenge you to find a time with your spouse to build more intimacy and connection by having conversations that matter. Welcome to the show. This is episode 169. We're your hosts, Danielle and Justin Williams. Hey. Hey, we've been apart. Hey, stranger. For the last, what, five days? Yeah, four days. Um, uh, we've been functioning. It was kind of funny. Like when we sat down to do this podcast, I'm like, oh, yes, I have to consider another human being. Interesting. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. You've been out of town. Yeah. And you were called out of town quickly because for a family of a, emergency for a death in the family, which yeah. actually we're going to go a little bit more into in a minute here. Which meant I got to travel in the coronavirus the of coronavirus <laughs> pandemic 2020. Did you have any antibacterial stuff for uh, a plane? Yeah. Yeah. I'm. Were they I'm like admittedly handi- a little bit of a germaphobe? Were they handing out stuff? No. 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 Was anybody like encouraging extra? Hand washing or like know. you didn't notice? I, I, I don't know. I have my hand sanitizer. I washed my hands constantly. I breathed through my nose. <laughs> is that helpful? Well, I mean, yeah. It is? Your nose is made to filter. You're supposed to breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth. Oh. Yeah. I didn't know that would help you from not being sick. I feel well, like that it, might be a myth. So the but... mucus membranes are supposed to help filter out stuff. Oh, okay, cool. Let's talk more about mucus. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I just kind of kept to myself and and everything. I'm, the flights were fine on the way back. The first leg of my, like I, we had a stopover in St. Louis, but I didn't even have to get off the plane. That was really cool. I've never been able to do that before. Um, but there was a lady in, from Detroit to St. Louis, there was a lady, a row behind me. Do you know her name? Can we call her out on the podcast? I don't know her name, (laughs) but I was about ready to throw her out the emergency exit. Oh no. What (laughs) <laughs> she was coughing and hacking, and I, oh, s- you can tell by the sound when you're not looking at somebody, whether they're coughing, just coughing and hacking. Free or, form. Or if they're going into their elbow the way they're supposed to. Right, right, right. And I'm pretty sure she wasn't. And I was getting hot. I, I mean, we were, I you during takeoff, hot. I was getting, like, I was trying to do the old eye contact with the flight attendant. Like I wasn't, t- I wasn't ready to, like, turn around and be like, woman. Cover that stuff up because I don't want whatever you got. I don't want your coronavirus. Um, but I but I was to the point where I was like trying to like do the uh, hey hey mm, over here over yeah. here to the flight attendant. But you know, get her a mask. And then she calmed down and she was okay. She's lucky. Um, you know, it, it was it was you know. But other than that, it was fine. Um, and we'll go into why I was <laughs> traveling and everything in a minute. 
Yeah. I mean, it was kind of crazy because we got a call from your mom. Yeah. That there had been a death in the family back in Ohio. So we're in Austin, Texas. So that's obviously a flight. Yeah. And she said, the funeral's tomorrow. Can you come? And it was one of those like, okay, I guess you're jumping on a plane. Do I really want to? Yes. Like you have to. Yeah. It's family and that's what you do. Right. Um, So we rearranged a bunch of stuff and had, you know. Last minute. I, I, I always love the last minute thing. There's some kind of weird juice that gets flowing in me. Juice? Well, I hate to sound say this surrounding a funeral, but I love the last minute, like the, my my Enneagram seven wing gets mm-hmm. activated, the free spirit, the yeah. you know, the hey, you're yeah, gonna change we, plans and we are both figure pretty it out. good in the last minute, the crisis kind of mode. Yeah, flexible, like let's make it work. Yeah. We'll make uh, it work. Yeah, like I get that. I, I have a similar similar aspect where, you know, okay, it's go time. And I think the reason we can do that too is we have a community of people around oh us. Oh my gosh. They oh were my like, gosh. okay, we'll look after kids and dogs. Huge shout and, out yeah. to Jim and Terry. Yeah. To Ryan and Alexis. Yes. For, you know, helping us with childcare. Liz and Dick. And Liz Leto, <laughs> yeah. our friend in Toledo, who drove 45 minutes up to the airport to pick me up. Very random, but it was back, very lovely. And then did the same thing to take me back to the airport it and everything. And crazy. saved my 84-year-old mother from having to do that. <gasps> or me from renting a car oh, yeah. and everything. You could I mean, what that, a right? what a blessing. Um Yeah, uh, really. it was it felt like a community effort. Yeah. And so, your mom who, yeah. like when we told her what was going on, she was like, "Let me call Liz." But she pulled the strings. Yeah. She pulled all the strings yeah. and made it happen. The Enneagram 2. Carla's a 2. She's a the helper. helper. She's got to help. You know, it, <laughs> it, it was, it was, it, it really did. It was a Herculean effort. And my buddy Ryan, who, you know, picked me up at midnight last night <laughs> on a work night. God bless him. Right. And he's got a life and kids and work and everything. And that he needed so. to escape at midnight. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Hurry up. Let's I go guess. to the airport. Did you guys stop at the landing strip on the way home? No. You know, I've never been in one of those places, and I have no interest. Okay, remember... Again, a little bit of a germaphobe. That just sounds gross. Okay, the landing strip is a... It's a, it's a, it's a strip club. Gentleman's club. No, don't call it that, because well, that's not what that is. But do you remember? It was in Friday Night Lights. Remember they, yes. they would tape... They Friday Night Lights in Austin, and whenever they would go out and party, they would always go to the landing strip. Yes, the underage high school football players would go to the... <sighs> Thing. Let's not start ripping on Friday Night Lights because it's one of the best shows well, you know, ever. Yeah. Don't you agree? One of the best shows ever that that aligns so solidly with the values that we espouse. Nah, value values. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> you know, it, it's interesting. Like this week, like uh, this conversation is just about having a conversation that matters. Like we haven't really talked to each other since uh, Thursday evening. Yeah, we went sure. to bed. I got up at three o'clock in the morning and. Well, we talked a little gone. bit here and there, but yeah, nothing substantial. Um, like, how do you deal with last minute change of plans like that? Like, I'm not great at it. I invite. Like, it. I can I can rise to the like. Okay, my mom needs me. The family needs me. I want to be there. Sure. Um. Uh, okay, we're gonna make this work. And at the same time, I'm like, oh. We have like I have to reschedule clients. I a had new to, puppy. We have a new puppy. Yeah. So like. 
And Danielle is, if you've listened to the previous episodes, oh Danielle was not the, the lead puppy person. Mm-mm. But I think you and I'm Walker... I'm the fourth stringer. You're the fourth stringer. Well, not <laughs> anymore because the dog's dog won't leave your side now. That's because I didn't abandon him. Oh, nice. <laughs> nice. Honey, you know I'm just pushing your abandonment issue buttons. So, like, how do you, listening, um, how do you and your spouse deal with last-minute changes like that? Like, okay, we've got to rearrange our life, find childcare, handle this, handle that, shift work schedules, you know, figure out what we're going to do with the with the puppy, all of it. Like, how do you do that? Like, I feel like we just make it work and like it energizes us. Yeah. Like, I know you had a drastically enter- different scene on your end of it than I had on Ooh. my end of it. And we'll go into yeah. that. But like on my end of it, it was like the kids had a million activities, new puppy, you know, like having different people like kind of fill in here and there. So it was, it was very hustle bustle on my end. And it was really tender for me because I'm missing Allie's first volleyball game and, and time on the weekend with you and the girls and just all of it. Like I like my routine. I like where we live. I like our home. I like our life. I like our, the, the, what we do and how we do things. But you know and what? And we're the, in the middle of this clean eating challenge. Oh, yeah. That's another that's another part of it that was like a total. So but I, you made it work, though. I made it work for the most part. I, I, like, I made it work. Like, I, I, it was good until yesterday at lunch. When I'm, I'm, I'm at this luncheon after we buried my cousin. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And his mom is standing there going, Justin, you, you, you know. go eat. And I'm like, well, you know, I like, what do you say to the grieving mom? No, my, my clean eating challenge precludes me from eating the lasagna meal. Does it have And we're Italian. We're an Italian family. Oh, that would have been like, I don't love you. I'm not accepting your love. It would have been like spitting in her, in her face. Um, so I had a little tiny piece of lasagna, which is whatever and a salad and like, okay, whatever you were texting me about it. And like, honey, please do not give this a second thought. I'm just being fully transparent about it. It wasn't about me going, me, you know, getting my permission or something, getting permission or or confessing or anything. It was just there, there it is. And the right thing because for we're, me to we're do we're trying is, to hold each other accountable. We're trying to encourage and hold each other accountable in this. Which is tricky. It's going really well, though. It's going really well, but this those can be tricky conversations to have with spouses mm-hmm. because especially when a circumstance comes up like this. I was actually listening to a podcast last week where they he talked about like different, different, of course, armchair expert, which yeah. is one of my we favorite podcasts. <laughs> one of my favorite podcasts. Um, he talked about how different situations call for different protocols. So Mm. it's like the protocol, the health protocol that you carry near and dear at home on your general day to day, like seven days a week, that protocol does not travel with you when you travel. You have to make an adjusted protocol because it's Mm. not going to be the same. So you're See, staying. I tend to be an well, all or nothing. I, I kind understand of a that, but it's and like so it you're was, in a hotel. It was a huge victory this You're this in a different city. You're at your mom's house. Yeah. You're traveling 24 7. It's like you have to change the bar. 
Yeah. Because otherwise, everything is going to be a massive disappointment and failure. And yet that, that's not doable. Because well, what the risk is there is like, you're like, oh, I failed. Oh, you know, like the whole thing's a failure. I'm, I'm a failure. And then when you come home, that comes with you. Well, I go the, op- the same outcome, but a different direction. It's screw it. Like, there's no way I'm going to make this work. No, nothing. There's uh, just whatever. Stuff yeah. my face full of whatever I can get my hands on. Whatever right. $25 hamburger I can eat at the Detroit airport. Well, this guy was making the point. He's like, so I'm at home. I do an hour at the gym every day or five days a week or whatever it is. Yeah. And he's like, well, when I travel, I do, you know, push-ups when I wake up in the morning. And before I go to bed, you know, I do some, you know, yoga stretches yeah. or whatever. That's his protocol when he's traveling. But when he's home, he does the yeah. full-blown you yeah. know, deal for me. It's it's usually been and so it's, it can just be all a success. goes to heck. Yeah, so it can be a success either yeah. way. Like, oh, sure, I can do twenty push ups, and sure, I can do stretches. Yeah, yeah. whatever. Yeah, and and I think this weekend I just want to acknowledge or celebrate myself. Like I did that. <laughs> I did that instead yeah, of yeah, throwing yeah. it all out the window. I modified and was like, okay, I can do a little bit of yoga. I can you know get some steps in, going to the running some errands for my mom. You know. Yeah. Whatever, and I was trying to be proactive about it, making adjustments instead of just going, "Ah, screw it." For Whatever four happens, days, and then yeah. I'll, I'll start over. Um, and this was a really, really extenuating circumstance. This is a really tough one. Um, my twenty-nine-year-old cousin, who is a police, a canine police officer, like he wasn't the canine; he's the handler. Stop. Um, um took his own life yeah. last week. And this is the second time that I've watched parents bury their kids. Um, My other cousin was hit by a drunk driver. Um, And, you know, to a certain degree, it doesn't matter if it's self-inflicted or an accident or whatever. Um, Watching somebody bury their kids. Yeah. Because, of course, I'm thinking about... Oh my God, if something happened to one of our girls. Right. If something happened to you. Yeah. Um, and, you know, my mom is in that place where she's 84 years old and she's got two boys who are, who are doing, doing okay. But like, I've had those struggles. You and I've your, been in that place. You and your brother have both dealt with depression yeah. in one aspect or another. Yeah. And had and some so low she, lows. She's going, this could, this could be me. This or it could have been. Yeah, it could Or it could be. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the suddenness of it, um, you know, but he was so happy. He was always happy. Um, and there's actually a story. I mean, you know, thank you to everybody who, who serves in military and in, in police For and, and emergency services, yeah. all our first responders. Um, these are people who are absolute heroes. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the stories that actually came out over the weekend that I heard was he literally talked somebody else down from that place. From suicide. Yeah. A while ago. This girl was in a really bad place and he sat with her for like four hours. Mm. Um, here's the thing. Um, I want to say a few things about this because this is really important. Mental health is a really, really important underserved uh, topic. 
And our show is all about having conversations that matter. And this is a conversation this is a that tough, absolutely freaking matters. It's a very matters. tough one, too. And it can also be one that people can tend to avoid because it's so tough. Yeah. And we... Well, I, we, even, even as pre- preparing to... We were like, oh. record, Do I share the nature of death. his, his yeah. death? Mm-hmm. And, like, I, I have to. Yeah. Because the fact of the matter is, men are three and a half times more likely to commit suicide than women are in our culture today. Mm-hmm. And it's higher with military and first responders. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, there are certain populations, there but pe- the truth is, you know, it can be anybody. Yeah. Here's here's the deal. Um, depression, uh, depression and suicide are, it, it's not a, it's not a thing like an ugly lawn that everybody go, drives by the house and goes, man, they need to take care of that lawn. Look at how brown and spotty and dead it is. Why are you talking about our lawn right now? <laughs> <laughs> Looking out the window and I see uh... the lawn. Um, it's not like that. Like, he, here's the deal. People w- walk into each other. They see each other on the street and they go, hey, how you doing? And the answer is... Fine. Great. How about you? Any better, I'd have to be twins. It's That's another great day. You. God is good. You know, we we we... We just want to transact the words and call it relationship. Mm. And it's, it's, it's nobody's fault. Right. It's absolutely nobody's fault. And sometimes it's, it's the place or the space that you create. Yeah. You know, I mean, when you're passing each other in the hall at work and you go, hey, how's it going? No, I'm fine. It's like you're not creating a space to have like a real conversation. No. You're just in passing, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's not anybody's fault. Meanwhile, um. Everyone you you see on the street is fighting battles in their lives, in their lives that you don't know anything about, that you don't see, right? That they don't share. They're dealing with their insecurities, their fears, their doubts, and you they're are dealing, too. They're dealing with trauma, uh, an abuse, and and circumstances in their lives that are heavy and hard and terrible. Mm-hmm. Everybody is dealing with this stuff in some way or another. And anybody who tells you that they aren't is, is, is in some way kind of covering it or in denial or something. Maybe because it's just not a safe conversation. Maybe because they just can't. But just understand everybody is, is fighting battles that you don't see. And so this, I'm this just wondering, why. like, how do you... You know, like, of course, there were people in the family that were like, we never saw it coming. We we should have been able yeah. to prevent it. And like, if I had known, I would have done something differently. And like, how do we give hurting people that space to like, let us in a little bit? Yeah. Um, I think one, you touched on it a minute ago. It's It's, we've got to create safety. We've got to create... Relationships where it's safe and courageous. Mm-hmm. I don't mean safe like safe zones where we can all feel our feelings. I mean like safe and courageous conversations where we're fully present, where we listen well, where we ask powerful questions mm-hmm. rather than getting into the details about who said what and what kind of tie they were wearing. <laughs> but what's or gossip about or weather or you know whatever. Yeah. yeah, like really getting into hey, what's going on in your life? Tell me about. The good, the bad, the ugly. Like, I want to know. Not just some topic you read in the news or something. And have a cup of coffee or have a beer or or just go for a run with a buddy or 
or hang out with your spouse and do the check-in that we talk about all the time. Like this mm-hmm. is this is one of those things. Like what's going on in our lives is impacting our heads, our hearts, our souls. And um and every I wanna, time I wanna we say have an so, opportunity to have a conversation like that, it's 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 worth it. And I wanna say for for anybody, not just people who have depression or trauma or anything else, like mm-hmm. it's on us yeah. as human beings to create a life where we have friends and family and community around us that we do feel comfortable enough and close enough that we can Mm -hmm. share things with because when you're in that low, low place, you're not like, Oh, let's go out and, you know, meet great new friends. And, you know, I mean, you're not in that place. You just, the natural drift is like you turn inward more and more Mm -hmm. and more and more instead of reaching out. Um, And if you don't have those people in place already, it's way more difficult. But you, if, yeah. if you have those people in the good times, um, they're still there when you're yeah. in your low lows. And, and it's, it's about investing in those relationships so that when the crisis comes... Because all cr- crises come. Like yes, nobody has a perfect life. Yeah. Um, when the crisis comes, you, you can go help. Yeah. Because that's about all you've got. Like I've been in that place at the absolute bottom, feeling like you're 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 wearing cement shoes, drowning mm-hmm. in grief and 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 you know insecurity and fear and, and you doubt just wanted to stop and everything and all you want to do is stop drowning. Yeah, and people lash out from that place. They go dark. They withdraw. Um, and 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 it's it it can you know for those who who deal with depression, um it can strike in the weirdest moments. Yeah. It can hit in, in the, in some of those beautiful, um, positive kinds of moments in, mm-hmm. in life. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's, it, it's not, it's not a simple math. I'm not, I'm not trying to like out you on something here, but yeah. one of the darkest times that you had was right after Allie was born. Yeah. Like I'm like in this uh, hormone induced bliss, you know, and we, you know, we're sleep deprived and all that kind of stuff. But we were, we were, we didn't get a like diagnosis, diagnosis, but we were pretty sure you had the male version of postpartum depression. Yeah. And one in 10 men actually does have that after a child is born. Yeah. But it feels so weird to I mean, say I just that felt because numb. people were like, oh, as soon as you hold your child in your hands, you're going to have this magical moment. Yeah. Of, and you're like, uh, and I'm just like, uh, I feel nothing. And that was terrifying and embarrassing. And I was ashamed and, and, and mad. Yeah. And it it created a rift between us too, honestly, because I'm like, okay, well, I need to be able to depend on you to be my teammate here. And I feel like you're just not in the, in the sphere with me. Like, I just feel like you're somewhere else. And I, I have no idea what to do to Mm -hmm. quote, snap you out of it, you know? And it's, it's, it's not your job to snap me out of it, to fix me there. You know, it was a matter of, you know, getting some time with some guys who are, are mentors and, and friends and community with me. Um, it was talking to my counselor, talking to my coach, 
Yeah. Getting, getting some clarity on what was going on because like we are this incredibly, um, huge experience. Like, like the, the human heart, the human mind, the human experience is so multifaceted and like, you know, it, it takes a little bit of therapy. It takes a little bit of coaching. It takes a little bit of reflection of prayer and meditation to, to start to sort through and go, oh, what are the threads here? What's going on? And I just don't think you can do that alone. I don't think you need to do it alone. Well, that's a good point, too, is like we're talking about having those people in your life, that community that's with you when you're feeling like you're in a good place. And that way they'll still be there when you're on your low lows. Another thing is like, can you share with me because... I don't struggle with depression, so it's only basically what you've told me and what I've learned about mm-hmm. it that I can come to understand that. But it's it's one of those things where I can't empathize because I haven't been there. But for you, like I know you have a pretty extensive list of habits of things that you do when you're healthy that you know mm-hmm. um, when you're in those low places, if you would just keep doing those healthy habits, yeah. it can pull you up out of well, there. Like what are some of those things that you need to have in place with your life yeah. so that you don't go way, way, way down? I think immediately of what we're doing right now with the clean eating challenge. Mm. Yeah. Like when I start eating crap, when I, when I am not intentional about my, my nutritional aspect of health, um, I just start, I become a sugar addict. I become mm-hmm. a, a, just, I'll just eat whatever. And food is fuel. And if you put crappy fuel in, you're yeah. going to get crappy performance. Sure. It fuels your mind, your body, your spirit. Like it's, it's all connected. Mm-hmm. So, so that's one thing that I'm, I'm constantly working on. My whole life has been about my relationship with food in, in a big way. Um, yoga as a practice of, of, of meditation and being, being with God and movement, which is essentially important to me. Yeah. Um, uh, exercise, of course. Getting a good sweat on. Yeah. Um, you know, my, I love my journaling, um, prayer time, uh, doing identity work. Like this is something I've done for a decade of understanding who I am, reminding myself. And it's, it's not just like, it's like reconnecting to it's it. It's not just like daily affirmations, like, you know, what you do Saturday those Night Live too. guy, like I'm good enough. I'm Jack smart enough. Andy. And doggone it. People like me. No, it's, it's, uh, it's deeper than that. Like understanding that staying connected to that, reminding myself of the truth about who I am. Right. And you um, establish that in the high times yeah. so that you can have that to sustain yeah. you. That was one of those things that I've heard too, is like, if you're feeling in a really bad place, like go do some cardio for an hour and then come back and revisit yes. this decision or this, you know, yeah. situation or whatever. Well, I talk about that with you clients all the time. You drastically shift your state of being mm-hmm. when you just get those hormones going, you get the sweat going, you, you know, life seems different after an hour of cardio. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was talking to a guy. And nobody wants to do it in that point. So that's the hard time is like the knowing of like, hey, I know this always works for mm-hmm. me. I just need to do it. Yeah. I was talking to a client the other day who, you know, was dealing with a lot of trigger situations in his, in his marriage. And I'm like, dude, put on the shoes and start running. Yeah. Like he's a runner mm. and you know, you get a few miles in and you go, Oh, okay. 
this this catastrophic thinking that I'm experiencing isn't real. And it's not forever. And too. it's not forever. Yeah. So, hey, uh, before we move on and talk about the next piece, um, I, I do want to say this. Um, suicide is a blight on our world. Yeah. This is an unnecessary way of people moving into the next life. Um, it is, you are loved, you are valuable, you are worth it. And if anyone is out there um, in that place, I want you to call the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. Okay, it's 1-800-273-8255. We'll put it in the show notes as well. Mm-hmm. Um, get a good counselor. Work with a good coach. Um, not just when you're feeling bad, but doing the kind of growth work that we talk about all the time with clients uh, is essential to this. So that when the crisis comes, when the, the cloud of depression comes, we have tools and skills and support to stand in it. I think one of the most dangerous things we can do as whether whether we're the person that's, you know, in that low, low place or we're family or friends or whatever, I think one of the most dangerous things we can do is try to avoid it or, you know, or not denial. Talk about it. Yeah. yeah, that kind of thing. It's like the consequences are they're eternal. Yeah. If you don't, if you decide not to have that conversation because it's awkward. Or and so, you know, the, we face this in a different way on, on Thursday when the kids got home, like, do we tell them what's going on or do we not? Mm-hmm. Like all the plans for the weekend are out the window. You know, dad's headed out for four days. Why can't we go? What let's, you know, why does yeah. dad get to go on a trip and everything? What do we tell them and what do we not? And, and you know, we really had to, had to think about it, had to pray about it. And, you know, it just comes down to this. I think it's important. Our kids are five and eight years old. And as hard as it is to go, well, you're my cousin, who is your cousin twice removed or whatever, <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, died and he took his own life was a powerful opportunity to have conversation with them. Yeah. It's a risk to be sure. And it's scary as a parent to talk about death with your kids. And, you know, I came from a very pragmatic background. My parents were, my mom, my dad were always just kind of like, death is a part of life. Mm -hmm. You know, we had pets that died. We had relatives that died when I was young you know, death is a part of life. And this is, you know, this is how, what our faith speaks to that. Right. And how we choose to believe about it, um, how we honor it and how we, we grieve it. Yeah. And it, it of course they were very shocked by yeah. it, but also, you know, we didn't share all the nitty gritty of no. like, I mean, we're just like, okay, we share what we thought they could handle. Yeah. And they had questions for sure, mm-hmm. but that's where the connection happens, you yeah. know, and we, we told them, you know, if you would ever feel like doing that, 
You you if you're have ever to in talk that place, to us or talk please to talk friend. to us. Talk to friends, grandma teachers. and grandpa. Yeah. Talk to a teacher. Talk to a friend. You know, whatever. We will we will find a way to make sure that we get the help that you need, mm-hmm. that you're comfortable with, that 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 helps you because you are loved. You are worth it. You are not alone. Mm-hmm. No matter what comes. Yeah. Um. And it was it was a powerful conversation with them. Well, it was short. It was very tender. It was very tender. Yeah. And, you know, we kept it very short. Um, but it was a powerful conversation. But you know what? In you being gone, I know it was kind of strange because you were with extended family that you don't always connect with. Um, but I was given a unique opportunity. Yeah. To become a full-fledged number one top dog <laughs> dog mom. Yes. I even had to take our Danielle new puppy to the, the vet. Alpha. I had to take him to the vet. And I think it was interesting when you came home, because you're definitely the top dog, that he wanted to stand with me. And he was kind of like, mm, I don't know about this guy anymore. You're pretty great. So he might be my new best friend. So how yeah. you, how you feel about that? I think that's great. <laughs> I think that's great. And I could have called it when, you know, when we first got him. It'll, no. it, that's that's the story. That's the that's the story that happens, right? The kids want the dog. The mom and dad are like, I don't know. The kids say, oh, we'll take care of him. We'll take care of him. It'll be great. <laughs> All right. But it's your dog. You do that. And then, you know, the mom falls in love with the dog and they become best friends and then we make a movie about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. That is still yet to be determined, but... Yeah. All right. And now, the Talk About It segment of the show. Each week, we challenge you to set a time with your spouse to have a conversation that matters. Okay, this can be a tough one. Have you ever been in a really, really low place? Mm. Share that with your spouse. Yeah. How'd you get there? How'd you find your way out? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great conversation. My gosh, yes. All right, that's it for today's show. We've started the conversation here. We hope you'll join us over in our free community on Facebook. You can find us at legendarymarriage.com slash community. All right, thanks for listening to this episode of the Legendary Marriage Podcast. This is Danielle and Justin reminding you. Don't settle for an ordinary marriage. Make yours legendary. Legendary.